star-crossed lovers whose story ends in tragedy. No, not Shakespeare. We watched West Side Story. We are the film fellas. We watch random movies that you love, hate, or have never heard of, and then we talk about them. I'm Greg, and oh my god, what's that right behind you? <gasps> I'm Nick, and I look like a shark, but I was raised like a jet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Caleb, the baby John of the group. I'm Robbie, and I have new glasses. Let's get into it! Like I said, we are the film fellas. This week we watched West Side Story. This week Nick picked this movie. Nick, tell us a little bit about this movie and why you picked it. All right, this is a movie. It was based on a Broadway play written by... Uh, music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and a book by Arthur Lawrence. And it was originally conceived in 1947, and they took forever to write it and fully polish it. And then the first production was in Washington in 1957, and then the corresponding movie came out in 1961. Whoa, 14 years of amazing stuff. Nothing really special happened besides like Tony Awards and really good music. I picked this movie because it's one of my favorite musical movies. And it, I feel like it really holds up even though it's almost, what is that? 60 years later. I feel that this is the way most musicals should be filmed as far as a transition from stage into film. If you look at like recently with Cats, it's horrible jump cuts while they're doing a big dance sequence. This one pans out so you see the entire thing. Like think of Mambo or Cool. You get to see these amazing... The yeah, amazing lots of white shots to yeah. show what they're doing and not leading you with cuts. Exactly. <laughs> and not to mention, everyone wanted to be a jet after seeing this. Snapping around, walking downtown, embarrassing your parents. It's a good time. <laughs> all right let's start off with our one sentence summaries nick you feel free to pick the order all right i'm gonna say caleb oh okay all right so if you like what's going on, on the west side you should hear what's going on on the east side a gangster's father just got killed by his uncle nobody nobody okay <laughs> be <good> next. <laughs> all right. Juliet's son may have risen in the East, but Maria's set in the West. West Side Story, a snappier Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Robin, it's so unexpected from you. A <laughs> Snaps for that I know. One. Sharks and jets are natural predators. They don't often meet in the wild, but when they cross paths on the playground, rumbles will ensue with blades and zip guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My one sentence summary is... Grown ass men dance around and pretend to be badass gangsters. Mm, yeah, and pretend to be teenagers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like a rap. Totally look at that teenagers. forehead. That's not a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a teenager. Right, let's, by the forehead. <laughs> let's get into the synopsis. We are going to go one by one and explain little chunks of it really poorly. Nick, start us off. Spoilers ahead, people. All right, we start off somewhere in New York City. Goes to a big playground shot, and all of a sudden we're introduced to the Jets, the coolest guys on campus. They're all like, yo, they're not actually in school because they're basically homeless, and they're trying to be really cool and have turf as a gang. But it turns out they're all just amazing professional dancers who can sing like gods. So they go around, they dance, they show off like, hey, look, this is our territory. 
and they have jets posted on walls, graffiti, and all of a sudden, oh, Puerto Rican, and all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rival gang, the Sharks, and they don't like them, or the Jets don't like them because they immigrated topical today. <laughs> so they end up having a turf war through dance and music, and they have like little fights, but it's mostly just them playing pranks on each other, throwing paint. I'm throwing my fingers out this entire time while talking. All of a sudden, the youngest member of the Jets gets cornered. His name was Baby John. As Caleb said earlier, Caleb, no, he, no, he yeah. gets cornered, and the he go, they ch- do big chase scene. They get to the park again. All of a sudden, Bernardo and his boys, Bernardo's the king of the sharks, gets him down and cuts him up a little bit, just on the cheek and his ear. That's it. Just a little small cut to prove a point. Then the cops come, fellas. The cops say in their New York sort of way, "All right, fellas, you got to play nice, or else to both sides." But, but with a little bit more racism involved. So the Jets have their own separate meeting. Their leader, Riff, thinks, okay, the cops are putting on a lot of heat, so we got to end this thing once and for all. we got to have a war meeting between the Jets and the Sharks. And all the Jets are behind him, but Riff, he wants his right-hand man, his lieutenant, Tony. And so, they, uh, so Riff goes to Tony and he's like, Tony, we're setting up a war meeting. I need you there. But Tony's got a job. And he's got responsibilities and he doesn't care about the Jets anymore. And he's expecting something in the mail or, or something. He sings a song about it. Something's coming. And uh, there's, a, there's a dance that night where they're going to have their war meeting. And Tony says, oh, okay, I'll go. Fellas. All right. So we cut from Tony after he sings his song about what, it, that he knows that something's going to come, but he doesn't know what it is. We cut over to Maria. So Maria is the sister of the king of the sharks. So she is been brought over to America so that she can be in an arranged marriage with Bernard's right-hand man. Chino. Chino. And so she does not love him. Uh, She doesn't feel any connection with him. And so she's talking to her her sister-in-law, Anita, who is with Bernardo. And she's like, you know, I don't, I want to go to this party. I want a low cut dress. And her sister's like, I'm not cutting your dress low. And she's like, come on, just a couple of inches. And she's like, no, no, it's not going to happen. She's like, I just want to go have fun. If I'm going to be stuck here anyway, I might as well just enjoy myself. So she gets this really pretty dress and we cut away through some weird dancing vaporwave thing over to the dance. And then we have all of these sharks and all of these jets at the school or at this uh, community dance because the gym is neutral territory and they start mamboing against each other and this guy's like hey let's all work together and pair up and that doesn't happen they just pair off like they usually do and then they dance battle but during the dance battle maria and and uh tony lock eyes and they go to each other and they dance and they nearly kiss and fellas he did kiss her though (laughs) they did though so bernardo gets all pissed off he's like hey you don't get to be around my sister. I forbid you from seeing these whiteies. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, Bernardo, we're going to meet up at Docks at midnight for this war council. And he's like, great, let's do that. But you keep away from my sister. So the, the dance breaks up, and Maria is up on her fire escape at home, and suddenly Tony pops up. And she's like, Tony, what are you doing here? And he's like, I had to see you. I'm in love with you. She's like, I love you too, but my parents are here. Be quiet. And then they sing the song about how they're in love, and they're like, great, let's be in love forever. And then they're like, great, but you got to go. So Tony leaves 
And then we cut to outside Doc's candy store where all the riffs are waiting. And they're like, man, what are we going to do? And then the cops show up. And they're like, what are you kids doing here? And they're like, we got nowhere to go. Well, don't cause any mischief. So they sing a song about how Officer Krupke's a jerk and how they're a bunch of juvenile delinquents. And then a fellas. So then we cut to the Puerto Ricans and they're chilling out on top of their roof. And then they sing a song about how great or not great it is to be an immigrant in America. Yay! And then it cuts to them. They have to go to the war council. Anita's all mad because she's big intimate with Bernardo. And she's like, don't go to the war council. It's either you or me. And then he uses her logic like, it's America, baby. We have to be American. And she's like, no. Oh, no. Anyway, they go down and they meet and they have a nice little conversation at the the candy store they're all deciding what weapons to use what we're gonna do tony comes in and he settles it because he's all about maria now and she's from the shark area and he's like i don't want anyone to die so i can look a lot better and get brownie points with maria so he goes we're gonna have a fair fight no zip guns no knives no blades no swirly chains that we see later on and then the cops come in <laughs> and just kick out the puerto ricans because he's a racist boy fellas and intermission. When we get back, Maria's feeling pretty, and Tony meets up with her at the dress shop where she works after work. But Anita, her sister-in-law, finds out, but Anita doesn't tell. So Tony and Maria have this lovely scene in the dress shop where they, they do a, a meet-cute. They hang out. They discuss their wedding plans. And Tony says, don't worry, Maria. This rumble is not going to be a rumble. I made it a 1v1. It'll be okay. It'll be honorable. But Maria, she doesn't like the idea of anyone getting in a tussle. So she says, Tony, you have to convince them to call the whole thing off. Tony says, all right. All right. I, I will. Not I try. I, he says, I will. Fellas. So we cut to the entire movie suddenly being painted red and with a really dark, ominous atmosphere as the mm. jets prepare for the, the rumble and the sharks prepare for the rumble. And Tony the whole time seeing how happy he is because everything is going to be great, even as he's putting out the candy in like what looks to be 28 days later type atmosphere. But everything's going to be just fine. Foil, it does not. Actually, oh. what happens is they go to, they get together, they head over to the meeting and... Riff is going to be the one that fights against Bernardo. Bernardo doesn't want to fight Riff. No, I want to fight Tony because he's the one that was going to go with my sister. And so they go, they get ready to go back into their fight against each other. And he's like, no, no, no I'm going to fight Tony. And then they're like, no, no, you're not. And so they're going to get ready to go, go ahead and rumble. And then Bernardo feels threatened and he clicks out his knife. And now he has a knife in his hand and it flashes in the light. And then Riff pulls out his own knife. And now there are two knife fighters going against each other. And Tony's trying, being like, stop, stop, don't do this, don't do this. And they start to, they brawl together. And Riff gets stabbed by Bernardo. And Bernardo's like, oh my God, I stabbed him. And then Tony stabs into Bernardo. And he's like, oh God, what did I do? So now Riff and Bernardo are both dead. They're lying there. Sirens are coming up. The cops are coming. Everybody's like, scatter! And everybody runs, and Tony's just standing there with a knife, being like, what have I done? I just, I just killed the love of my life's brother. And also, my best friend is also dead. And this girl, which is with the Jets, but not usually with the, not really with the Jets, she's a tomboy that they kind of pick on, goes, Anybody. get out of here. Anybody. Yep. Uh, get out of here. I'll clean it up. Everything will be fine. Uh, you know, just run. 
tell us. So then Tony goes and is like, oh man, I got to go confront Maria. So he goes and confronts Maria and he's like, hey, I, uh, turns out I killed your brother. And she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I still love you. <laughs> and so, oh, sweet. Let's run away together. And then we cut back to the rifts and they're all over the city and they, they convene the in this garage. The Jets. Did mm -hmm. I say the riffs? <laughs> the Gramercy riffs. That's from The Warriors, which a uh, uh, better version of this movie. Oh, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? So then the Jets, they're scattered all over the city and they meet up at this garage and they're like, what are we going to do? The cops are everywhere. We're freaking out. We got to get justice for Riff. <laughs> and uh, the new leader is like, hey, we got to play it cool. All right. Everyone, at the showers. Cool. The cops come. They're like, hey, it's fine. Nothing happened. So they do a whole dance sequence in a parking garage, and for some reason they can turn the lights on in the cars, even though the windows are closed. It's interesting. Nobody locked their cars in the 50s. <gasps> wow. That's how That's you get theft, especially with these amazing hardcore gangs around. It flashes back to Tony and Maria after they have... Um, <clears throat> consummated their marriage overnight <laughs> and they sing a song about wanting to go somewhere because i don't think they could afford living so in new york suspiciously at like somewhere over the rainbow yeah <laughs> but not 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 quite but very close again this was steven sondheim's first musical <laughs> um, wow yeah and then chino's all mad and then maria gets a talking to from her people tony wants to go get money so he can leave, fellas. All right, so Tony goes to his boss, Doc, at the store to, to get money so they can split town together. Meanwhile, Maria is staying at home, and Anita is trying her best to cover for her, but then the cops show up because Bernardo and Riff are dead, and they want answers. So Maria is unable to rendezvous with Tony at the bus station or the train station or wherever they were going to meet up. So Anita goes in her stead to talk to Tony and be like, okay, look, Maria's a little delayed, but she'll meet you soon. But when she gets to Doc's store, all the jets start roughing her up and being real weird, real creepy people. And so Anita gets all angry, rightfully so, righteously indignant, if you would say. And she tells them to tell Tony that Maria is dead and she doesn't care anymore and doesn't matter. So, and then, uh, but Doc hears this. And in my favorite side plot, or the best side story, if you will, he tells Tony, look, you got to go on the straight and narrow. You, you can't let this end in bloodshed. Maria's dead, but you got to let it go. And Tony, he gets so mad, he goes out into the neighborhood streets and starts yelling out, Chino, Chino, come fight, Chino, I'm ready, Chino. Fellas. So as he, after all this happens and he's hanging on to the fence at the, of the playground that we saw in the very beginning of the film and he's crying out for Chino to come get him. He sees Maria and Maria's like, Tony. And he's like, Maria. And they look at each other and they run to embrace each other. And then Chino pops out of the woodwork and is like, ha, I can shoot him. And goes, bam, and shoots, uh, shoots Tony and he falls into Maria's arms. And so they fall and collapse together slowly and they're talking to each other. And Maria's like, no, you can't go. And he's like, I am. I love you. I truly love you. And it's a very, very dramatic scene. And then uh, all the jets and all the sharks just surround her. And uh, she reaches over and grabs the gun 
that Chino had dropped. And she's like, how many bullets are in here? How many bullets are left? How many of you can I kill before I kill myself? And it's a very strong part because knowing Romeo and Juliet, we're like, oh, she's, she's going she's gonna to kill herself after killing people. But nope. She just says that, you know, all this violence and all this revenge is going to do nothing. She drops the gun to the ground, and then everybody carries him off, uh, the body off in a funeral possession. And that is the end of the film. The yeah, that's end. pretty much what happened. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> like I said, bad summary from all of us. <laughs> yeah, it's like t- two and a half hours. I wanted to get through it quick. Yeah. Good Surprise. call that my best side story didn't hurt Robbie's soul. I was hoping that that would happen. It, it did, but I didn't want to interrupt you. No, that was your, that was your moment. <laughs> you're supposed to shine. You're, you're supposed to cry out in pain. <laughs> Next time you horribly wound me, I will make sure, I'll make sure to notify. I worked hard on that one. It was good. All right. So one of the main reasons I picked this movie is that there is a new version coming out and i i felt like there was no need to remake said movie because they still have this masterpiece in my opinion 60 years ago that's just this beautiful representation of what it was on stage and they're remaking it with people who now have been canceled so i'm a little scared what's going on there (laughs) <laughs> but also yeah i'm sure it will be perfectly serviceable but i don't think it'll be anything spectacular or genre defining yeah know? i'm with you on that one greg we're in the golden age of perfectly serviceable movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it is very mm-hmm. adequate maybe we should see it together yay <laughs> if this movie ever comes out <laughs> somehow yeah if we can <laughs> go into theaters <laughs> but one of my big um reason i really love this film is the cinematography again of the dance sequences i feel like it like when you see a stage show you can look and like watch whatever section you want there's a whole stage in front of you and you're not looking at like through a camera you can look at maybe a dancer in the back that you know maybe someone catches your eye on the far right you don't have to always be like looking straight at the middle and it does the really great wide shots where you can just rewatch and like see every individual person's movement and growing up, I really liked musicals and like theater. So being able to see something where I, where I live, I don't have much access to like upscale productions. Having this at my grandma's house, I could see almost what it'd be like to see the dances in person. Yeah, older style movies definitely knew how to shoot musicals so that you could see everything. They were wider, they were more sweeping. I really feel like it was cabaret when Bob Fosse started doing more close-up and interesting cuts, which really worked for that specific production. When people started being like, oh, we can just cut around and show what we want. We can show more feet. We can show more hand movements, or, but not like the entire thing, which is what the point of choreography is, is your entire body moving. And Cabaret, especially with um, the song Mine Hem, it's uh, drawn chairs, and it goes into every individual part of them just to show off, like, look, we put people on chairs. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's really to show that this is about voyeurism and watching these cabaret dancers. You know, that's, that's yep. what they're for. That's what they do. Yeah, I think that the best example of what you're talking about is definitely uh, Be Cool Boy when they're in that parking garage. And you just have like, for the most part, is just a steady camera that is 
absorbing all of this great choreography. And then I think there's one like swooping shot, but it really is, is like a swoop to zoom out, I believe. And uh, I mean, the choreography is so great. And all of these performers, they really give it their all. All these like 35 year olds trying to convince us that they're 15. Uh, they really go for it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely with you. I love the, all these wide shots. I really liked I really liked the the cinematography for cool and also for uh, officer uh, oh what's it Krupke officer Krupke because similar to how you said you know it did the sweeping shots but the performances from the actors were great I mean it is a stretch to think of these these guys as like being 15 14 years old uh, it's not something you really see with it but like they are giving such passionate, earnest performances and it really comes out. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the reason they didn't pick the original cast from Broadway is because they were all too old at this point. <laughs> Actually, um, Arab and Action were from the original Broadway cast, the two short dudes. Interesting. <laughs> really? I had heard otherwise. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, I believe you. Uh, going back to how old they look, it, when I look back at these old musicals uh, and they cast people, they are horrible at casting people of that age. Like if you look at Greece, the girl who played, Oh no, I Rizzo? don't know the name. Yeah. Rizzo. There's no way you're supposed to believe that girl is like 16. She looks 30. Uh, I believe she was the oldest one in the cast. I could be wrong. It definitely shows, but you're supposed to be like, ah, oh, they're in high school. It's fine. And this one, I think if you look at it, like how long ago was they weren't really fully exploiting child actors at this point that was more slightly later like that would come later when home alone era earlier earlier guys yeah it would come both earlier and later Mm, we got a interesting bit about the casting though is that nope they were more cast for dance and looks than they were for singing ability because most of them were dubbed later specifically natalie wood was dubbed by Marnie Nixon for most of her songs, and she also dubbed part of Anita's songs when she would go, like, real high. Oh. Wow. It's not that Natalie Wood couldn't sing. It's just they felt that she couldn't. She wasn't strong enough in this part, so they dubbed her over. Same with a lot of the Jets and I think a lot of the Sharks. Oh, wow. They did a very good job with that then. Mm-hmm. That's what they did back in the day. That was like, their they were jam. so good at dubbing. Yeah. Like now, Especially it's musical numbers. It's frowned upon if they are dubbing after Lame is like, look, we can sing live on camera. Which is it's very interesting that you okay. said that Anita was dubbed because she won a was it an Oscar for this role? Yes, best supporting yeah. actress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she was dubbed. <laughs> Yikers! <laughs> she was dubbed for parts yes. of her singing that were the high parts, like the really high that just were out of her range. Yeah. One of my uh, fun facts about this was Russ Tamblin, the guy who played Riff, he originally mm-hmm. went in for Tony and he was petrified when they cast him as Riff because in the Broadway production, Riff is like this insane dancer and he didn't have much dancing experience. Like he did movies like Tom Thumb and uh, Seven Brides or Seven Wives. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Yes. He was in that oh, okay. movie. I was going to say <laughs> It's been a while. Uh, Anyway, so he was cast as Riff, and he was very scared to do the role because he had, like, zero dancing experience. But he knew how to tumble, which is doing cartwheels into flips 
And that's why they added it during the Mambo scene where he's doing all these cool flips. That's all he could really do. And if you watch like the intro sequence where he has to like put his arms out and go on his tiptoes, he looks way worse than every other jet. He does seem to be the one who's like, hey, we're going to coolly walk through the playground where everyone else is kind of dancing yeah. around him. <laughs> He's like, guys, yeah. guys, I, I can't do that. Stop. I'm the leader. Follow my lead. But he does do that sweet <laughs> no-handed backflip off that pole during yes. when you're a jet. Mm-hmm. So. That was his gymnastics experience That's coming cool. through. Yeah, also, and- Richard Bamer. He was cast as Tony, and it was the first time they did an, almost an operatic version of Tony. Like, if you look at the original Broadway cast recording compared to this, he took it as, like, I don't need to follow the rules of what it was. This is mine. And it's sort of, with the film, it helped develop the standard for what Tony would be later on. Yeah, I heard the directors wanted him to be more nice guy, and he wanted to play it a little tougher, like an actual ex-gangster. They're like, no, no, no. You're just going to play it nice and sweet and all American. <laughs> going to make the audience right? fall in love with you. <laughs> you know, you seen 42nd Street? It's going to fall in love with you and then you're going to die. My biggest criticism of like casting is none of these guys look like actual gangsters except for Ice. And he only looks mm. like an actual gangster because he's huge. But like, <laughs> come on, action, Arab and Baby John? No. Like, they have dancers' body where they're swole, but like, small but mm-hmm. I, don't I have a they... note here if you want to look tough choreographed dance is not the way to do it <laughs> if you're leaping around that, balletically though. that does not look tough menacing ballet but i love it the the first number is my favorite part of the whole movie i just it sets the tone for the whole thing and you just can give into the madness that all these tough guys are finger snapping their way to turf wars this is after five minutes of overture, by the by. Yeah. I hate overture, especially in movies, and it was five minutes of it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> And then, it like, another long. minute of establishing shots. I think they were still trying to go for, like, hey, this is a play adaptation. We're going to do what we do on Broadway. Like, they even have a little bit of intermission music. Ooh-hoo. That's because it was two and a half hours long. It was. Yeah, it was they, they would long. legitimately have an intermission to go out of the theater. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I don't like about the overture... They had to change reels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> huh? The overture is awful. In, it, it, it shows all the music, which is what overtures usually do. But the calling card that they have, the little lines, mm-hmm. it makes sense because it's like the skyline of Manhattan. But like, you have to look at that for five minutes and it, nothing happens besides the screen changes colors ever so slightly a couple times. And I felt like that would turn a lot of people off like, is this it's very is, uninteresting? It may at first boring. I was rewatching it. I forgot that that was so long, so I always skip it. But like film fails, you have to watch the entire thing, and I'm like, is <laughs> yeah. my screen frozen? What's <laughs> happening right now? Because <laughs> it looks like an image hasn't fully loaded, and it's like, oh no. But like, yeah, I found myself watching it. the lines. Like, are these lines moving? Are they not moving? Am I just bored? What uh, <laughs> is this gonna form something? What's happening? <laughs> But like, what if they loved it back in 1961? You know, what if like a six-minute build-up to just like a, a pretty average reveal was top-notch for them? <laughs> I mean, like, I've never, like I said, I've never watched uh, West Side Story before. I've never, I've never seen the play, so I was completely fresh. And for a solid couple of minutes, I was like, "Is this broken? Like, is this?" Did Netflix just not load it correctly? 
Why am I staring at these lines? And I did not see Manhattan. I just saw lines. And I was like, this is a very odd opening. And again, you have a couple minutes to think about that. Mm -hmm. Five minutes. (laughs) Five whole minutes. (laughs) I checked. (laughs) But, you know, maybe some of those Manhattan enthusiasts, they can see those lines and be like, ah, yes, I know it there. I live right there. Yeah, at the time, it was very much minimalist expressionism. was very trendy. Oh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Because I was just like, this is a very odd opening for this. And then and then the first opening number was so fun and just dancing, ba- menacing ballet. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. nice. I was like, why didn't we open on this? My first note is jets, gingers, sharks, sweet leather cuffs. And that's yeah. how you tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Ginger kids versus a bunch of kids in leather cuffs. <laughs> also... At- when when I was very young, I was very confused that it was supposed to be Puerto Ricans versus the American people because Tony looks super brown all the time. But not as super brown as the Puerto Ricans with their exaggerated makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I literally really like the fight choreography, especially in the opening scene. Just the way, like when they um show blows, they really like flail their entire bodies out. Like at one point, action: the short guy without the big forehead, he gets pushed off of one of the jets after he already tackled him. And when he goes out, he goes into a full like Jesus T pose in the air, and they sell it quite well. Lots of sweet snapping. It yeah, scares me though because there's no pads that they're landing on. Like, you can see like this is they didn't have the effects to remove pads and they're just jumping on like concrete doing like handstands like backflips and it's like one mistake and they're gonna have to get some makeup for that reshoot <laughs> one, one of my favorite scenes in the whole uh show starts right there in the beginning in that in that first this one technically could is a show <laughs> but they um we, we look based on a show so we, we start in that opening number and uh, Baby John is the one that's running and he gets, he gets grabbed and he gets flipped in the, like he's going to get tackled and like cut up. And the way that he does it, he just swan dives into their open waiting arms and they lift him up, flip him over in the air and gently lay him down to the ground. I'm like, you know, if that was how they're going to attack him, like great choreo. But I just, I just love that scene because it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, you know, no, they're gonna they really roughed him up with a knife, you know, just a little bit. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a ballet. It establishes the language of violence within their world. So, like, you know, these sharks have danced well enough to where they have quartered Baby John and his dancing. So now they just they, they get a free shot. I think it also plays into the fact that in the in the beginning of this show, they the jets are not experience with blades or zip guns they're experienced with like you know maybe we'll do a little bit of boxing we'll (laughs) we'll push we'll push them off of our turf you know that type of thing and then one of you know someone mentions they're like hey but what happens if they do have knives like that would be scary that that's a problem so it's like starting off they're doing these dance dance fights and not like you know shooting each other or stabbing each other so it sets the stage that this is what they usually think of when they're thinking of warfare is scuffles in the park and the police come and say you know break it up boys break it up fellas you know what i would have loved 
but Which I, I'll never get. But if the new movie wants to do this, uh, Spielberg, if you're listening, feel free. So, <laughs> so if the Jets are inexperienced fighters and the Sharks are, and they, you know, Sharks got knives, they got zip guns, they got whatever, but the Jets aren't and they feel as if they're underpowered, right? What they have to do is challenge them to a basketball game. Loser leaves town. You know what I'm saying? Space Jam style. Because <laughs> they're on the basketball court like for like 20% of the movie. No one is really playing basketball except for the first five seconds. You got to use that court. So uh, that's a free one from me. Uh. <laughs> like, the guys, you got to come see this new West Side Story. We go, ah, it'll probably be average. No, it's Space Jam at the end. Yeah, about that. The Looney Tunes show up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. If you look at them, you can tell none of them have ever actually played basketball, especially when the Jets first dribble the balls in the opening sequence. They look so awkward as far as like <laughs> actual sports. <laughs> <laughs> We're theater kids. We don't do sports. Get it out of here. Exactly. Even when, when Riff, the big tough guy, gets the ball, he's like over exaggerating, <laughs> bouncing it, like almost double dribbling it all the way down. Yeah, but that's part of the choreo. Mm-hmm. Riff was the one with the bad toss, right? Like he throws it to the other kid and it hits him in the knees, but he, the other kid catches it well enough to where they can keep the shot. Yes. Yeah. I think so. It was a good catch. I have a note for this opening part where it says, the Jets are dummies. They keep falling for obvious traps. <laughs> like yeah. the Sharks keep going like, hey, come over here. I'm by myself. There's certainly <laughs> nothing going to happen. And they're like, go get him. He's signed by himself. And then he falls into the trap of the, all the sharks. Jets are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm pretty sure none of them went to high school or anything. No education in those boys. Yeah, but they should have street smarts if they beat every other gang that tried to take them. Well, I think they only beat the Emerald Gang. That's the only fight well, they ever talk about. They beat two gangs. Yeah. yeah. They list a couple gangs. Because they, they, at the beginning of Jets, the, uh, the song Jets, they list a couple games like, we knocked these guys out. And what did they, we do when they moved in on our turf? And then they were like, oh, yeah, we're good. Which makes me really worried about what those other gangs were like. Apparently, the they weren't attacked. smart enough to be like, hey, come into this trap. They're actually just a bunch <laughs> of kids would have been like, okay, let's go into the jet. We're going to go full British in the, in the Revolutionary War. Just line up and go after them. <laughs> yeah, they they do a dance circle and then they do a one v one dance circle. That's how the there old gangs did it. Yeah, back ah. when there were rules. Like remember the <laughs> the beat it dance? That's what it was like. Two guys, hands together, and a knife. Yeah. Also, I just looked up what a zip gun was because I've always heard of it. Yeah. Those things so look it? so sketchy. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> what is it? Describe like, it to us. It's like sketchy. Describe think, it to our audience. Okay. Think of like a squirt gun where you have to pump it up. It's like that, but you sort of just like pull like a, a string or like a little oh, like a, band. Yeah, you just sort of yeah. pull it and it's, it's still a gun shape, but you like you, you pull back just like a little thing that the ignition and when you let it go and it like the rubber band brings the, the fire thing back onto it and it shoots. So, so it's, like, it's a very unstable gun. You so like it's like a, a, cross so it's more like a, a crossbow and a gun? Like a slingshot thing? It's more like a BB gun than it is like a actual gunpowder bullet. Huh. Yes. It's these. The little... Ah, uh, uh, yes. You hear that, audience? It's these. Yes. It's these. <laughs> so I'm trying... I pulled up a picture to explain it. See this? Uh-huh. 
oh. you put the bullet in, you push it down. Is it a then, bullet? Yeah, you put it just like a looks like it's a, a nail. projectile. Yeah, it's, a, it's like that. It's a rod to push down said bullet. You put bullet in, and then you just sort of pull this back, and that's then you load it, and then it's like a ping pong. It's like or not? Oh, so pong, that's uh, like the hammer pinball. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So audience, picture uh, a, a pinball launcher, but make it into a gun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. You pull back and you just <laughs> yeah. let go. So, I couldn't think about it. Explain that. The theater of the mind. We've done it. And that Teamwork, was us guys. explaining Teamwork. what a zip gun is. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, it's not as cursed as Poltergeist, but no. sadly, Natalie Wood, um, she, she died fairly young. What was it, like 30-something? 43 she, uh, it's not like Poltergeist, so it's not cursed at all. I just wanted to bring out the fact that Natalie Wood had passed. And it makes oh. me sad. She ended up, I guess, falling into a lake while a little drunk Ooh. and Ooh. drowned. But the reason I'm bringing up someone dying is so I could talk about the guy who played Ice, Tucker Smith. Now, Unit. his later parts of his life were documented in another girl's book because she had cancer and he also had cancer and they met in their support group. Oh, cancer friends. And she's like, Oh my God, I loved you in West side story, which is crazy because there's no way you can recognize any of these guys on the street after, (laughs) after seeing this most because of the gowns and makeup you have. And all the Puerto Ricans were not as Puerto Rican as they portrayed. A lot of them are Greek. I hear. Uh, Bernardo's Greek. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Natalie Wood is like Ukrainian and Russian. Yeah, she is the least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the least Puerto Rican of the group, <laughs> uh, which is unfortunate. But Rita Marino is Puerto Rican, so mm-hmm. we got one. So we have but, one. Mm-hmm. I feel like Chino looks more like Mexican. I could say that I'm brown. Some kind, of, some kind of Latino, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Latinx. Hey everyone, what was your what was your favorite song? Um, what is my favorite song? Come back to me. I, I have to think about this. My favorite right. song to listen to is something. Favorite song in the whole show. But then cool because show. the dance sequence is insane. Krupke, Krupke. I just love the sarcasm. It's wonderful. My favorite song is America. This song is a banger, dude. That song is song great. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's, it's all about. It's it's one of the only times that it's not about the conflict between the jets and the rifts, the jets and the sharks, excuse me, <laughs> or <laughs> the between or the love story. It's just kind of like this is our story as immigrants. It's like yeah, we think it's better, and they're like no, we think it sucks because we get shit on, mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting insight into that. And it just is a really good song. <laughs> it is, yeah. So mine was gonna be Officer Krupke because it's just a fun song. Um, probably number two yeah like i was just watching it with subtitles as i do and one character like the person who's like being officer krupke says like oh tell it to the judge and then you read the subtitle someone's like who's gonna be the judge who's gonna be the judge and just they're having such a good time and it feels like a good song and it's got some newsies energy if i'm honest (laughs) you know love them newsies love them jets but uh america is a really good song so i'm gonna have to go with america it's like the one gray area that exists in terms of like song form 
or I'll just be like really niche and say it's uh, when the sharks are whistling my country tis of thee when they're escorted <laughs> by Officer Krupke out of Doc's they're shop. They're getting kicked out of Doc's, yeah. yeah. The, uh, so one of those three. <laughs> Krup, Krup, the, the Krupke song and America both kind of like what Greg said, they both don't really have to do with the central love story. They're actually focusing on two of the major side themes of like their socioeconomic class mm-hmm. from both sides because where it's uh, the racism and immigration issue in America, the socioeconomic issue of, you know, our families are broke, we're basically orphans on the street, no one cares for us for the Officer Krupke. So um, both those songs are really good, especially for being kind of, you know, uh, side plots instead of being one of the main thoroughfares of the Romeo Juliet plot. Ooh, Riley's chomping at the bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it time you guys think? Is it time to talk about Robbie's Shakespeare Corner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, can Nick, I will, you, will you lead us into? Uh... If we're gonna do Robbie's themes, then Nick can do it. But if we're gonna do uh, Robbie's Shakespeare Corner, I mean, isn't I it all the same? It's true. It's always Shakespeare. Everything's Shakespeare. And now it's time for Robbie's Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Yeah, with the indubitable Robbie. <laughs> Nick, give us a lead into Robbie's themes. All right. I don't know if that's picking up my mic. I was snapping. Anyway, <laughs> hold on. I'll do snap, snap. And now it's time for Robbie's themes. Real jazzy. Yeah. Try to add a little flair to it this time. All right. So West Side Story has a lot of themes in it, especially because it's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare. And because of that, you could just take the easy shortcut and steal a bunch of those themes and put them in here. I'm going to avoid that because everybody who has not seen Romeo and Juliet should. And if you do, you've already known the themes like to heart. So we'll touch on them briefly later. But importantly, I want to focus on what West Side Story brings to the table. And that is uh, the racism of racism. Yeah. <laughs> socioeconomic class and uh gang warfare and so those are three face. three big things that come and pop up and uh yeah we're gonna have to dedicate some time to that because that is pretty egregious all right so what do you guys think about the socioeconomic class issue with the jets how, how do you think that was handled and what are some things you guys saw like what do i think about it why the jets are poor seem like it was super brought up their home lives are alluded to but they're not running around in raggedy clothes or anything. Yeah, they, you know, well. they talk about how their, their parents aren't that great, but it doesn't really go into like, they don't live in tenements. They're not, you know, strapped for cash or anything. They seem to just do whatever they want. I feel like that's not really that big of an issue in this story. I just feel like um, a lot of them, they could succeed if they went on the straight and narrow as doc says, but they, them themselves are continuing this, these random fights with the sharks like they could easily just go get jobs like tony make a little money and like become an honest people but they don't because they tell themselves that they succeed more by being these rugged dancing gangster boys than they would if they got a job because tony became a sellout due to him leaving the gang behind it's all mentality for them like even the cops side with the jets, they could easily just 
throw this behind, but they don't. Well, yes, exactly. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that one of the re the with Doc, like what Nick brought up, bringing in the fact that he's like, hey, you know, you guys could try and go in the straight and narrow. You can try and do this, but they feel trapped. The Officer Krupke's song is where they allude to most of their problems of like, you know, why they are the Jets. They're unable to take control or agency in their lives. They feel like they've been stripped of it. The cops are going to come take their territory away. New gangs are going to come take their territory away, what little that they have left. And so they lash out and they attack the Puerto Ricans because they're like, oh, well, we can pick on this group because this is the group we can pick on. And so I like it because it's a lead in to the racism issue or, and the immigration issues with the Puerto Ricans. So it kind of puts that into, it contextualizes it as like, no, these guys have a really bad time, but e- even they are picking on the Puerto Ricans, which gives it more weight to the stress and the struggles that they're having in the Sharks. Well, I think this leads back to the racism, which is the bigger theme and issue, because there's the obvious where they're like, oh, we don't like these brown kids running around. But what you need to realize in history, not that long ago, the Jets, who are comprised mostly of Irish and Italian characters, were the ones getting hated on for being the immigrants. You know, they, they were the ones who were lower rungs of society. So, oh, yeah. Really, yep. I feel like they took the step up and they're like, all right, now it's time to punch down because we got a little bit of power. Yep, Although exactly. it just seems like they're punk kids. They're not, it never really seemed that they were in this situation because of their home life. It seemed like they were like, oh, we're going to be tough because we're kids. And the Officer Krupke story is all kind of made up, you know, like an excuse to be gangsters. But they have a social kind of, disease. But, yeah. He's disturbed. I, I do think that they need to <laughs> so logically disturbed. I'm the most disturbed. I'm a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I love the psychiatrist. That's my favorite part. The judge is a close, judge is a close second. The psychiatrist. Yeah. Gets the glasses he wore. <laughs> I feel like the Jets made the Sharks who they were. Like Bernard, Bernardo talks about how he was attacked the first day he arrived by the, by the Jets just because he moved into the area. I feel like the Jets need someone or they have to continue making enemies in order to feel validated because I feel like, like with action, they talk about how he's with his um, uncle because his parents are all messed up. Uh, they need somewhere to escape and having the Jets be this like safe haven of all everyone who wants to hang out with them and they give them a place to be besides at their home lives where they're not necessarily happy or feel safe there. So in order to keep that going, they have to keep making all these people uh, their enemies from the start. Mm-hmm. Well, since we kind of broached it, why don't we head into uh, discussing the, like you said, the largest theme of the show that's not Romeo and Juliet related. And that would be racism. Yeah. Let's three white guys in a miscellaneous talk about this. I thought the most important theme was how many bubbles are in this here can of soda pop? Because <laughs> I, I need to, like know. to know. I don't, need to know. Don't need sleep. Need answers. <laughs> yeah. Racism. Yeah. And it clearly the most racist person in the show is a cop. What a the institutional racism. Then mm. it's interesting because initially they were going to write this as East Side Story, and it was going to be about a Jewish girl and a Catholic guy. But it had been Ooh. so close to World War that they're like, "Well, let's not do that." And then during the 
fifties and sixties, there was an influx of Puerto Rican immigrants and they're like, Oh, this is super topical. Let's write that up. Oh, okay. So really there was, it was going to be between a, a Jewish, um, Jewish man and a lady Catholic. I think a Jewish girl and a Catholic guy. Oh, okay. But I'm not clear on who was going to be whom because that, that did not get rid of uh-huh. written up. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So it's, it's interesting because the way that they kind of approach this, one of the problems other than the issues that they're facing, the Puerto Ricans are facing about the immigration, especially in America where it's contrasting, like this is what we hope to have happen. These are the opportunities that we can take. And then the other side of like, but this is the reality of what happens now that we have it. Like, yes, we can have a washing machine, but no, they won't, like, we can't afford to buy anything. Yes, we can have own our own apartment, but uh, we, ha- we have no room for ourselves. So the, the, the dark side to the American dream that's kind of pitched to them, like, hey, you should come here to America because there's all these cool things you'll have. When in reality, it's like, hey, you can't get those opportunities because we won't let you. They're available, sure. You can have like the one side of the coin, but at the same time, they're having to suffer because of the systematic oppression, which is represented by uh, the American dream the, of the law. The cops. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? It the, depends what color you are. <laughs> the, it has been yeah. for a while, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, interesting thing is outside, like a meta angle outside of what's going on. Stephen Sondheim, when he was told or when he was asked to get on the project and to write music for it and write for it, he actually was uncomfortable because he felt that he did not have any background as a Puerto Rican. So why is he going to write this? Because he doesn't know what their struggles are. Like that was a huge concern of his is like, hey, I don't think I'm the the person who should write this. But they did anyway. And some of those flaws really shine through, especially with the brown face with a lot of people um, that or they didn't hire on um, many Puerto Ricans at all. Uh, the Maria was played by a Russian actress and like the other issues that kind of come up with that. But you can't blame that one on, um, on Sondheim and the people who no. it's the directors no, no, no. and the casting people. Putting who, it all on Sondheim. It's, it's all Sondheim. Why would you do such a thing? Steven? But, <laughs> because he was yeah but like he he was even like you know this is this is going to be a difficult little thing for me to write which is a mature stance back in the 50s and the 60s of like hey maybe i shouldn't be the person you're con- you're consulting for these problems so um a lot of a lot of time a lot of recent analysis of the show a lot of uh like when i was doing my notes and things like that um, a lot of people were like, you know, there's a lot of issues the way immigration is put forth in here. There's a lot of kind of hypocritical stances that are taken. And so it's important to like denotate that it's a, it's a product of its time. And so the themes are not going to be as easily one-to-one as they could be. I think that it actually relates quite well to nowadays or well, modern times due to the fact that the Jets end up getting like a a reality slap when the uh, it's not Krupke because Krupke is sort of the weird cop, right? No, it's Lieutenant. I Lieutenant Shrimp. Lieutenant Shrimp. Yeah. When he uh, comes Shrank. in, he kicks out the the sharks from the candy shop and just totally berates them with 
how they're not welcome and how they the Jets should like get rid of some of those guys so it doesn't have to land on him. They definitely feel a sense of like, oh, not remorse, but sympathy in that point. As far as like the actors go, you can see how they're like empathy. Uh, oh, yeah, empathy. They're like, holy shit, this guy's messed up. And are we really like this bad just to like, just because they are brown? Yeah, Shrank is actually like, look, kids, you want them gone, I want them gone. If you do it, there's less paperwork. Yeah, and the Jets are like, wait a second, that's that is messed up. So e- even at that point, and it kind of it drives that nail home that outside of the story between the Jets and the Sharks, it's an institutionalized thing that's way above them, and they're as much their agency is stripped as much as theirs is. And so that point of empathy is important because it drives home the meaning I think behind having both the Jets and the Sharks be kind of beat down by America as a whole. Um, because Honestly, though, if I was going to play any character in this movie, I would like to play Lieutenant Shrank because <laughs> it would be fun to play just such a despicable person but not be so cartoonishly villainous. You know, he's still kind of restrained. He still is mm-hmm. like front-facing, like I am an authority figure. I got he's, a got hidden, he's got that hidden... Well, yep. not that hidden racism yeah, but like, <laughs> and like, prejudice, yeah. but I think would be a fun acting challenge. Because everyone it, else is a cartoon character in this. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's weird that the, the more realistically portrayed person in this story is the despicable racist. Oh, you mean everybody? Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> but specifically <laughs> the... the, the <laughs> specifically the, uh, the cop. Lieutenant um, Shrike. Lieutenant Shrike. I will never... Mm-hmm. I'll never remember that. I think it's because I can't spell it. S-C-H-R-A-N-K. Yes. Well, I, I write, le- my notes have lieutenant written all over them. So I just never put his last name. I was like, oh yeah, the lieutenant. And then I'm like, wait, I don't know what his name is. Those are some of the major themes. I mean, again, this is a retelling of Romeo and Juliet. We would be remiss if we didn't touch on the fact that we're looking at, we're looking at young love, like the hot, fiery passion of like, oh, I've met you and I must be in love with you, and it's great, and throwing away your future for, like, oh, you know, it's, we're going to be together forever, and it's going to be good. So it's the contrast between everyone around them saying, this is probably going to be hard, this might not work, you probably should, you know, take a second to think about it, and instead basically killing themselves over it from the star-crossed lover standpoint, and also the standpoint of the gang warfare is very similar to the Montagues and the Capulets of the two warring families, basically, and coming together at the end in a sort of peace pact because, oh, our kids just died. Maybe we should readdress what we're doing because they do that funeral procession and both sides mingle as they leave in the procession. I thought that was some very interesting symbolism as kind of a callback to that sort of merging of the two houses. Mm-hmm. because the whole thing was they wanted to stay to, or you know Romeo and Juliet wanted to stay together and then when they left uh, oh now that they're dead now the families are getting back together it's just a weird take on that tragedy yeah because they play it from the angle that like I, I think the Jets say this most often but like messing around so they really take the angle that these these gangs are just a bunch of kids who are looking for just enough trouble to be rambunctious troublemakers but as soon as things get serious and they realize well well actually 
you know, we, we fight with these guys, but it's kind of all in good fun because it definitely seems like uh, I mean, Chino was hit hard by Bernardo's death, and so that forces him to, to kill Tony. But everyone else seems pretty aversive to all the violence and all the implication of violence so that when uh, the Jets are struggling to pick up Tony because they assigned three people to pick up two legs, all the, all the sharks run in to help with the torso. I else laugh a little bit at that part because like the Jets are like, well, let's get Tony out of here. So they're trying to carry Tony's body, but they're struggling hardcore. And there's like three of them, but they only pick one half. No, just me? Okay. It was, yeah, it was well, funny. <laughs> I don't really think this is Romeo and Juliet because like that takes place in Denmark and this is New York and that wasn't even a thing back then. <laughs> so how could it how could it be Romeo and Juliet? That's true. I don't get what you're Are talking we doing about. Nick Fix? <laughs> no. Is this Nick Fix? Yeah, I don't have any Nick, Nick Fix for this. Oh you don't? called it. <gasps> what? Because I wasn't really? like looking for nitpicks. I was just sort of. Oh, come I've seen on. This movie. I'm going to nitpick. That's a okay, you, okay, you want a nitpick? Yeah. In the scene can't. during the Mambo, when it goes to like the starry thing where Maria and Tony are doing their dance and like the cool backlit like stage screen with lights on it, mm-hmm. the girl on the right in the blue dress, she <laughs> was dancing with ice the entire time during the Mambo and they were together. That's a different guy. That is not ice in that shot. Because he is Damn. not as tall, and he doesn't have the same haircut. That's not ice. Which character? Wow. <laughs> Just for and that, that was Nick Picks. And you said you didn't have a Nick I pick. have one similar. <laughs> I just wrote the note. Apparently, it takes longer to die from a gunshot than it does from a stabbing. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the big one. Because the Dusa gets stabbed in the stomach, by the by, dead immediately. Mm-hmm. Which would shot be totally okay. He has time to give his last declaration of love before he dies Uh but it would like be totally okay because the movie has established that the language of violence exists where like if something actually serious happens then that's an insta kill so like person gets stabbed in the (laughs) stomach tony getting shot is not serious yeah so like no no no, that's maria taking the gun out is the serious part being like i showed you like that's the inconsistency where it would be totally fine except for that moment. Like, Tony does need his moment to, you know, be like, it's okay. We had, so, we had each other. So, the scenes where, or the scene where Maria has the gun from Chino and she's pointing it around and she's threatening, you know, how many, how many can I take down and how many are left in here? Why do you think, other than just, you know, plot drama, but why do you think the writers chose to change the fact that she commits suicide. Why didn't Maria, in this particular case, shoot herself like what would have happened in Romeo and Juliet? What, what was the difference in her experience than Juliet that would cause her to want to move on that Juliet didn't have when she woke up and Romeo was dead? I have a suggestion, Robbie. Yes. My suggestion is it's 1961 and this is a movie musical and we cannot have it end with the lead actress shooting herself on camera. A cop out from a narrative. Yeah, this isn't Love Never Dies. Yeah. Exactly. They already did that. No, I think that, like she says, it's not about the violence and the hate. You guys, there's already been too much violence. You guys are stupid. You guys have been 
fighting for nothing. And I don't think she wants to be a part of that. So that's why she doesn't give up. You know, she's like, I don't think it's worth it. I like to think that this is her turning point of being like, if I die now, I'm never going to be able to like make the change. So it just doesn't happen later on. So that's why she walks off as she's like, it, it was always sort of like a thing when she joked about like, why, why don't we stop the violence? There's no point. But now she can finally like act on it. You see what had happened is she finally got Anita to cut her dress lower. <laughs> so she's like, I can't kill myself now. I just I got just that new got dress. <laughs> <laughs> and Would she died in it. <laughs> yeah, it's not white anymore. She's not a baby. But that dress looked good anyway, girl. Jesus. Yeah, Anita makes good dresses. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be putting notes. Also, <laughs> these kids are all doing just fine. Do you see how like expensive their outfits are during Mambo? Unless, was it cheaper back then? I like how like, everyone screams the name of the dance they're doing while they're doing it. Mambo! <laughs> I like how everyone like knew how to snap accordingly whenever yeah. it need be. Does someone have Perfectly a snap choreographed, yes. I would hurt. That would hurt me. To do I snap didn't counter. think to count the snaps. Oh, no, Did you guys notice snap. that the guy running the dance was Gomez Adams from the TV show? Yes. Oh. I did. As soon as I was on screen, I was like, that's Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Yeah, I was wondering because he looked familiar and his eyes were very separate from each other. <laughs> it works really well as Gomez Adams. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little chameleon. But that is hey. <laughs> John Aston. Not related to Sean Aston. You don't know that. Or Skylar Aston. <laughs> I have no clue who these people are. He's a guy from Really? Perfect. Robbie, you don't know who Sean Aston is? No. Of Rudy fame? Yeah, you've never seen Goonies? Rudy. No. You've never really seen not. The Lord of the Rings? There's uh, no way Robbie has not like seen. like seven, eight? Oh, no. Uh, does Robbie not like Lord of the Rings? Wait, no. Maybe 12. no, you're not that young, dude. He likes D&D, oh. but not Lord of the Rings. That's How old was I then? I, I saw one of them in theater, and I just never really got into the rest of them. Huh. I'm gonna have to not what I expected pick. from Robbie. Yeah, I'm going to have to change my pick nerd. here. To watch all three of them, the extended versions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the you know, Star Wars all over again. The final one. Yeah, my pick is the entire Tolkien catalog. Oh, geez. Cimmerillion and all? Uh, yeah. There's no <laughs> movie, though. You have to watch the original Hobbit and then the new Hobbit. Yeah, you got to watch the, the animated. Yeah, the animated ones. And the, the new ones are animated, right? Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> are there mostly. multiple Hobbits? I thought there the was a horrible one. CGI Ba-da-bum. fight at the end of the. <laughs> all right. Here, um, Ron, let's do get back to the. So, yeah. Greg, you talked yes. about how you'd want to play Lieutenant Shrank. Yeah, I feel like that would be a fun, uh, fun acting. As far as you other boys, what roles do you think you would play mm. in this? I mean, oh, we got Baby John up here. Yeah, if it, <laughs> but if it's not Baby John, no. If you got to pick your dream role, yeah, in the movie. Um, let's see, Jet. What I want to be? Let me let me look at the Jet names. Oh, big smart deal. That, smart that Caleb doesn't want to put on brown face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know what? I'll be Doc. Um, there you go. No, actually, I see so that. Uh, Baby John would be my typecast, but if not, I'll I'll take Big Deal. Big Deal. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I would love to play Ice just to sing cool. Mm. In recent productions, it's actually Riff singing cool because it's like before the Rumble. They changed the story slightly. Uh, Interesting. At least in the revival of it. 
Hmm, I but, like that though. Oh, the scenes are in a so different. So they're audience. saying be cool before the rumble. Don't get all. Yes. Okay. Uh, Interesting. But then, because it's right after they do it right after the scene where they break up the war council. They do it in the candy store. See, oh. that really changes what that song means then. Because if it's before mm-hmm. the council and it's like, come on, guys, let's go in there, let's be cool, let's handle this. After it's like, okay, guys, we're, we have, you know, people are dead. We've got to all get on the same page. It's like two very different vibes. Yeah, I it's guess, very much like chill out so the cops don't get us. Yeah, that would be a very different message. A random jet or a random hmm. shark, I mean. Ah, shark number three. Just, I would just be shark in the back or Chino uh, because I get cucked, yeah. you know. Looks like you have, uh, <laughs> your choices are Bernardo, Chino, Pepe, the second in command, Indio, Luis, Anxious, Nibbles, <laughs> Juano, Toro, Nibbles. and Moose. Nick would I'd, be Nibbles. I'd be Guano. <laughs> they, could, they can't. <laughs> some of the, they got to update these sharks names. Anxious? You're kidding me. They got to update some of those jet names too. Anybody, oh, yeah, A-Rab needs A-Rab. to be changed. You can't have it. <laughs> Joy Boy. <laughs> Otherwise, boy. you got Action, A-Rab, Baby John, Big Deal, Guitar, Mouthpiece, Snowboy, Tiger, and Anybody's. Those, and those nice. are What about Joy names. Boy? I got there's uh, two boys. There's Snowboy and Joy Boy. They're they're twins. Joy are they boy. twins? I don't know. <laughs> they the, probably um, joined on the same day. The twins. For me, I'd... For me, I'd, that was for uh, Robbie alone. Uh, the, oh, that derailed me. Um, oh, got it. So we have. No, I don't. Yeah, but yeah, who would I you do. play, Robbie? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Thank you for the pickup because I completely got it. So the person I would want to play would be either Riff or I'd want to also play Ice because I love the song Cool. And even though I'm not nearly that tall, but I'd also like to do Riff because I just like his character. And I died partway through, which would be in, in keeping with a lot of my favorite characters in films. He just wants to nap for the second half. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was great. <laughs> nap just dream. He's dying early, so you could just nap through the rest of the show. He also wants to play Angel in Rent. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard that they went through like, thousands of pairs of shoes on this movie maybe hundreds really but like they danced their way through those because you know how all-stars they're not the best souls you know oh yeah they're basketball shoes but they're real thin soles and they can wear out pretty quick but yeah they they danced their way through so many shoes and so many pairs of jeans and just all their all their dancing was tough on the wardrobe (laughs) Just That's great. I 200 love that. pairs of shoes. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I love Those how also like... they split 27 pairs of pants. <laughs> all, the, all the leaps, dude. All those tight jeans. It's, it's during, um, ripping. during cool when they all lift their leg up like full, full extension. Just. Oh God. We had to retake that. Let's go again. Reset. Get this man some jeans. Since we're just doing random trivias now, uh, I have some some random stuff. This was the highest grossing film of 1961. Really? Wow. Yeah. It won 10 Academy Awards, including but not limited to Best Picture, Best Director, Best Musical Score, Best Writing from an Adapted Medium, and Best Supporting Actor for Bernardo, and Best Supporting Actress for Anita. And the stage show 
was up for Best Musical in 1958. Caleb, put it last to the Music Man. Hey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes, Music Man is my favorite, and I love that movie. When, when I was a kid, for it sounds like a ridiculous origin story, but um, I think we got the Music Man movie from Blockbuster Video, and... I love the heck out of that one. And I got to say, uh, West Side Story does remind me a lot of Music Man, just because they're both these, these classic bombastic musicals where the first act is just an absolute joy. And then the second act is like, it starts to slow down and then the energy sort of gets drained. Anyway, I don't know. Anyone else? Like, I love the first act in West Side Story. I could watch that over and over because that's like the, oh, you know, fun gangster stuff, tough guy finger snapping, and then people die. It's like, oh, well, we got to do plot and stuff. It's definitely, that's just sort of the tone of Romeo and Juliet. Like, there's high action in the beginning, a complete plateau, like sort of little up and downs, like, oh, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, and then a big climax. And you can't really change that formula or it takes away from the yeah. story of Romeo and Juliet, which sort of sucks, but also it's such a classic story that if you change it, everyone's going to be like, what the hell? The hell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree with you what said- you're saying, Caleb, where after the rumble, there's a lot of just kind of spinning the wheels. Like, oh, I got to go tell Maria. Maria, I killed your brother. Okay. <gasps> Yeah, okay. Let's hang out. Okay. <laughs> no, no, uh, just <laughs> Jets, what are we what are we doing? We gotta wait for the cops. Well, let's just hang out and then we'll, maybe we'll search for Chino. Okay. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of waiting and Doc's yeah, like, oh maybe oh, I gotta the get pieces. the money, but where's the guy? Yeah, I'll just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. A man like that will kill your brother. Mm-hmm. All of Act One basically was like this this kind of optimistic build of excitement and attention, uh, you know, light tension with everything going on. And it was dramatic, which was nice. By attention, he means racism. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And <laughs> by, by the second half, though, it's like, okay, so we're still doing Romeo and Juliet. So we have to hit every single box. We have to check boxes, you know, move from point A to point B quickly. Come on, let's, let's get through this. Because fir- it wasn't very well paced, I would say. It would be my, my least favorite part of West Side Story was I did not like the pacing. Mm-hmm. I thought that the first part was very was very open very broad and then they rushed the entire second act and that's what i didn't like about it and that's my only big hit against it as far as like the structure of the play is that the pacing was just not great yeah that's well, like not to this movie's discredit because they're just adapting the the screenplay so yeah. i think they did a great job with what they got sorry nick you were saying as far as like rushing through the plot that's sort of like human instinct at that point when something big happens they stop thinking fully about the consequences of their actions. And they just sort of start doing stuff like they without when Tony gets the news about Maria, he doesn't take like three seconds to like calm down, even though doc tells him to, he goes out, Chino, <laughs> kill me, Chino. And that's, that's it. a lot. It's a lot of Chino tagging. Like that scene is like a minute and a half of him. Just Chino. I'm here. Chino. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's just, I, I think they could have, I think they could have, they, they couldn't have made it much different, but I think I just don't like the fact that the first act was, in my opinion, very, very well built. And the second one was just so quick. It's like almost two different films. It's like someone See, put out I like a first film and rushed the second. 
I feel like the second act is where it drags, like Caleb said. Yeah, what do you have to say to that? I mean, I, I, I see where you guys are coming from that you think it drags. But for me, I think the problem is that it doesn't drag. The reason why it's boring is because it just, it hits all the story beats. It's like, okay, it's No, it's because nothing happens, dude. Like I said, they just wait around. They're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go run away together. Okay. But you know, let's hang out for a minute first. Mm-hmm. I'm in the bank, but not wink, showing. Wink. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's all meet up. Okay. But let's show everyone running to the place and gathering up before we actually show them getting up. You know, it's, it's just really really kind of slow i i disagree on that point just because i think that there's a lot there is a lot happening just because even though they're all in the same spots you're you're rapid firing going through okay he's dead now i've got to go tell tell her that her brother is dead okay now we've got to go through the forgiveness talk okay she forgives me okay now she's got to get uh anita's blessing okay this song is over she has anita's blessing now and anita's going to take off all right anita's there to go tell him and then all of a sudden they go and attack anita and all that struggle happens and she's like, she's dead and runs out. And then he goes down and says, well, she's dead. And then he's like, ah, and runs out. So well, just, then what's slow in the first part? The, the first part is just the slow buildup of like, let's meet the cast. Okay. These guys all know yeah, each other now. We and they're just going to dance. Their relationship in the opening. We're the Jets. We set up that Tony's working. They go to the dance, set up that they will not intermingle, do the war council, and then rumble. Mm-hmm. And, while setting yeah. up Tony and Maria in the meantime. Well, yeah, and all the while the you got yeah, all the while you got great songs, some great choreography, and you're being introduced to the world of the show. Yeah, yeah best so I like the first, the first act. It, it's feel longer. Like, it feels like a more full movie. Like they kind to, to sit on each one instead of rushing through. That's my difference on it. I feel that they definitely peaked with the songs in the first part because yeah. in the the only song that's like see, the only two songs that are really memorable from the second part are somewhere and cool. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them are just sort of like a man like that who'll kill your brother. And it's sort of like, eh, it's a song. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like in the first part, they have songs like something's coming Maria and Officer America, America. America. You're not going to beat those. America. Those are the ones that like have lasted. Like you, yeah. like teachers will show those and talk about Romeo and Juliet. Like, look, they did this again with this movie. Mm-hmm. I've taken like four Shakespeare classes and every time they always be like, Romeo and Juliet, have you heard of West Side Story? <laughs> yeah, cool is definitely... Blowing like, your mind, kids. <laughs> <laughs> cool is the shapoopy of the of mm. West Side Story. It's that it's one fun, view but remember. doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does a little bit more than shapoopy, but it's the one yeah. you remember from the second act. I think totally. the biggest part of the second act being like, not as involved is there's no dancing besides cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I had not considered that. That's probably why it drags a little bit. Yeah. Like in the first act, every other scene is them dancing. I feel pretty has some dancing. And maybe that's that's at the top of, mm, of, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I think it's rushed because there's no breaks between for dancing. It's just bam, bam, bam. Or you guys think that, yeah, that, that actually does explain it for me too. Yes, yeah, I, I, I considered it after the rumble is really the second half. I know there's an actual intermission, but really after the rumble is when I think it slows down. Mm. Oh, okay. Which is when there is no more dancing. No, because yeah, that's cool, happens. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. Which is my, the best dance sequence, I think, just because the lighting and when they're all coming at you, like snapping all like super low. 
if you see that like coming at you at night, you're going to like, you're going to crap yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> you see that in an alley. What do you do? That was one of the three songs that the co-director and choreographer before he got fired. Ooh. For going over oh. budget and taking oh. too long. Cool. But he did three songs and they're like, all right, you're out. And then the other guy who was doing the, the, the drama and stuff took over for everything else. And I wanted to bring that guy up because he's quite eclectic. That is Robert Weiss. He did things like West Side Story, The Sound of Music, mm-hmm. and these are in no particular order. Star Trek, The Motion Picture. Yes. The Day the Earth Stood Still. Quite an eclectic filmography. They're just kind of all over the place with things like Curse of the Cat People. So he's just kind of all over the place in the genres and the styles. Yeah, wow. it's pretty good. Yeah, it is all over the place. And he was the one who got fired, yeah? No, he's the one who did most of the directing. Oh. Uh, Jerome Robbins, the choreographer and second director, got fired for... Going over things. budget. I didn't expect this movie to have so much special effects also. Yes, yeah. especially like during the Mambo scene when they first see each other. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, there cool, were like, like backgrounds fading out and coming into other things. And Maria's cool spin oh, out yeah. where it's like the different colors following her and it's real trippy and stuff. When they did the the slow dance with Maria and Tony, they mm-hmm. actually used the theater, the like see-through theater screen behind them the and projected psych- lights onto it. Yes. Ah. That's why like you can see the people behind them, but they're not like fully blurred. They're just like faded a little bit. Yeah, because they just straight blurred the edges to get your attention over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. It sets you up for expecting a lot of cool stuff. To get second act, there's none of that. Cool transitions. It's also weird. There's no like big ending song, right? Isn't that kind of odd? Other than cool, like it. There's no real finale. Yeah, yeah there's more singing. songs in the first act than the second act. Which I guess the that's prescient to the theme of this is a sad ending, you know, like Tony is dead. They've come together, but the violence has ripped these lives apart. Like shoo up, shoo wada boom, boom, boom. What? Because he said, Nick apparently he's a big fan of Greece. He said, we come, yeah. to, or they, they come together. Chang, 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 get a chang, chip But, uh, Greg, yeah. I could have a question. As, as a resident film expert, uh, would this movie have gotten one of those fancy like movie musical tours where like the elites pay like extra cash? Oh, like aura? a roadshow? Yeah, the roadshow. That's what it's called. Uh, sixty-one, maybe. When was My Fair Lady? Um, um my fair lady. Nineteen sixty-four. Oh, yep. Then yes, possibly. Okay. Because so. uh, right around My Fair Ladies, that's when they stopped like making as much money. So you'll notice there's a big drop in the classic musicals. Mm-hmm. Until uh, like Mary Poppins, right? And then they're like, oh, actually. Even then, like Disney is kind of an outlier. Uh-huh. But the one, the big ones, like My Fair Lady kind of didn't do well. And they tried to throw all this money into Dr. Doolittle. That didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see a lot of stuff except for the the more underground, like Cabaret or Chorus Line. Oh, yeah, Chorus uh, Line. <laughs> classic. Was that 1975? Yeah, but they're a little more, they're not as mainstream. They're not as big. They're not as bombastic. They're mm-hmm. smaller yeah. and more niche. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, a lot of these movie musicals, they, they hit very, diff- very similar spots in terms of like the tone and just the general feel when you're watching it. Uh, but I think those, those, uh, those two afterwards, Cabaret and Chorus Line, they definitely are different. Uh, not only that they're like 10 years apart, but they just don't feel like that ah, classic, comfortable, cozy musical. Yeah, like yeah, um, the 70s were really more about experimentation where like Chorus Line is not going to be about a musical. It's going to be about an audition for a musical mm-hmm. where Cabaret is going to be... What a concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be pushing about, the boundaries on that one. About Nazis and like the fringes of society. Yeah. And Chicago, you know, is going to be more about like what's in her head more than it is about the actual numbers on stage and whatnot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to a straightforward, uh, all right, it's time for us to break into song, everybody. Yeah. Everyone remember your choreo? Let's go. <laughs> and I that like to was, be in America. And that was Greg's film history. Caleb, we need a section for you now. Yeah, and the, I'll just be MC. This is Caleb's handsome corner. Oh, shucks. And that Stop was it. Caleb being handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the viewers like that because we only get five seconds of that a day. Turn on my can't camera afford off. otherwise. <laughs> Caleb, I feel like you haven't necessarily brought up a bunch of stuff. You got anything you want to talk about? I want to talk about those sets because they're just great. They're immaculate. I could not get over those sets. I think they, they build scale really well but they also make it like grand but intimate at the same time uh we spend a lot of time on those like basketball courts which i think that's where our, our last scene is as well yep. we start there and end there. Yeah, on the wow, playground, yeah. that, there's a little snack for robbie <laughs> it begins the same way it ended with basketball um <laughs> oh. but even like on maria's uh, fire escape I think that's just a, a really well-built set and it gives them like just enough room, but like still like not too much to where it's still like romantic. It was cozy, I'll say. It's sort of a weird <laughs> way to describe it, but yeah, I don't know. Your, your thoughts yeah. on the set? I mean, the, the sets, I, I agree with you. They're, they're, it's really cool that they were able to show a sense of scale, but at the same time, the intimacy of a small of a small area like in the dress shop for example so the dance mm-hmm. is, the dance movements you had out in the playground uh, in the basketball court broad spins jumps flips it's very much like you know look, an opening show whereas yeah when you have the songs by maria when it's more intimate and it's more like just her and how she feels it's this enclosed shop where she's spinning around with the props and it's much more prop based than, you know, just acrobatics. Mm -hmm. And then when we go to America where it's again, this, a lot of dancers doing their choreo, it's again on that rooftop, which although it still gives you a sense of scale because it's in this, this area where they can dance around, it's still kind of a space that's their own. And so it gives you kind of that more like, all right, huddling close feeling than it would if we were in the street, for example. Yeah. That rooftop set was really good because it really looked like they were up on the roof. Yeah. When, based on how they shot everything, it was maybe ground level, maybe a couple of feet off the ground, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It really looks like they're 40 floors up or however much. Yeah. yeah. And like you can see the buildings that are just across the street 
and they look like legit apartment buildings. So no no corners cut there. I assume most of that is built. Yeah, um, I assume it's paintings and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, there's probably some paintings as well, yeah. For uh, I Feel Pretty, I really think they were able to explore the space in terms of the dance choreo. Because you know that one move where they all are like in a train and they're skipping and swerving about here and there. And there's that one bit where they have to like skip, spin between the wall and one of the dress mannequins. I was watching that and I just thought, oh, as a dancer, that is the part that you hate, like trying to fit your whole body between three inches without missing a step. Mm-hmm. But they did cool. it. Yeah, because like the, the dress shop is pretty small. It's probably my favorite set other than the rooftop is just being in that dress shop. Mm-hmm. Because, the, yeah, and they do a couple different scenes in there. And it's nice that it balances out because it's very much that's again, that's where they're doing the prop dancing and it, it's precision more than acrobatics, which really showed the Maria's range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite set is just Maria's door or doors that she has in a room. The like yeah. stained oh, the glass. Stained glass. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like such a cool aspect because it shows like, she's all about mixing colors together. <laughs> and also, during um Maria, the song, not the character, when Tony's going about his uh his nighttime journey of yelling Maria's name, I think eighteen times, he starts off all like everything around him's red because he's like she's a she's a shark, oh no, a Puerto Rican, like, Maria, and then he ends up in a green light like it's go time, it's fine, I love her, Maria. I just met a girl. But like, you, you don't say that name so many times, it's going to wear it out. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely a cool scene because, uh, with the color changing to make that kind of like, oh, he's, he's drifting away because he's realizing that what he's been waiting for, he's been waiting for something. He didn't know what he was waiting for. And now he's like, oh, it's her. She is what I've been waiting for. And then he latch, you know, they latch on together at that point. And then he goes and sees her at the fire escape. So it's cool that you mentioned the color changing because that's true. Um, the sharks are mostly like the, whenever they're fighting, like when they're at the dance hall or whenever they're about to go to the rumble, all the lights turn red. Mm-hmm. But whenever they're in like a calmer spot or you're seeing him and Maria, you see yellows, blues, greens, softer colors, and not very much red at all. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job with uh, infusing color into each scene. Cause looking back, because it happens in New York, a lot of your colors are just going to be like these grays and these darker tones, which are not very exciting, especially for a musical. So I think they did a great job at putting like a lot of reds in there and like even like the stained glass door that is like the most colorful thing on on that set. Additionally, I think they do a great job with establishing locations with their sets. Because like other movie musicals, they'll just jump from location to location to location with like not a lot of synchronicity. But like here you have like six or so set locations. You have like Doc's shop, the playground, the apartment where all the sharks are. Uh, You have Maria's banister. I say banister, but I mean fire escape. You have the fire escape (laughs) and the gym and like maybe two others, but like the dress shop. 
and then you have just the general streets, but it's in the same neighborhood, so it all looks familiar by the end. Mm-hmm. Phil, shall we talk about the turning point of the movie? The turning mm-hmm. point. So Anita comes in to relay a message to Tony at oh, Doc's yeah. shop, and then yeah. this is where the Jets turn into the real villains of the movie. Yeah. Yep. Where they sexually assault and almost rape Anita. They absolutely do. uh, Baby John. Yeah, they were going to use Baby John and just like throw him on top of her. Yeah, that's that's why I would want to be Baby John. It's real (laughs) scummy. No, just in that, uh, like my guilt would be completely exonerated because it would be, it's it's clearly like Baby John does not want to be a part of it. Um, But also. Just the fact that it happens and it happens so casually Cavalierly, yeah kind of yeah. out of nowhere mm-hmm. it, where she's it, like hey i want to see tony and they're like yeah hey get out of here shark and they're like yeah yeah that's fine but then they just start and actually like actually it's a woman shoving her down yeah it's it, it's I a very hard jets scene. are a bunch of scumbags and i've turned on them and i don't care for them anymore yeah yep. i think it's definitely them trying to figure out their feelings of riff dying and knowing that she's Bernardo's girlfriend, yet it is very it's a dark scene. Him. There is there is no redeeming quality to that. Nope. There is not. Um, and the interesting thing is that it's couched against the fact that they're concerned that you know, oh well, the sharks are crazy. Chino's trying to go shoot somebody, but then they do a heinous act themselves, and. What it does is it really puts the audience, or it should put the audience in the position of like, oh, these these aren't the good guys. They are just an opposing, like an opposing gang. Like it, it strips them of some of that protagonist kind of veneer that they've been having. That the sharks didn't because the sharks, you know, they had the weapons, blah blah blah, and so it made that it made the jets seem like they're more innocent, but they're not. The very fact that they were willing to do this and to force Baby John upon her is a slap in the face to the audience of saying, hey, th- these guys yeah, are not perfect for angels. rooting for these scumbags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are Luckily, not Anita gets out relatively yeah. unscathed. Mm-hmm. Yes. But her opinion about the whole thing has changed, where she's like, yeah, these white kids, whatever. I don't want anybody fighting anybody. But now she's like, no, you're right. Chino should come and kill you all because you are the worst scum of the earth I've ever met. Yep. Yeah, I think it has to do with um, reaffirming that in the original story of Romeo and Juliet, you don't root for the Montagues or the Capulets. You're rooting for Romeo and Juliet. You want Tony yep. and Maria to be happy, but you shouldn't be like, the Jets are superior. Than- yeah, I would be totally with you, except the note that they end on and they want you to they like want to leave you with is the image of both the Jets and the Sharks carrying Tony's body out. And they're unified. But it's like, I don't know, the Jets all just committed this crime. Should we really be ending with, oh, well, at least they can get along now? Well, I don't think that's the actual, the feeling that they were going for. It's kind of like with Romeo and Juliet, even though in the end, the two families kind of come together, you're never supposed to really, you're not supposed to be like, oh, okay, they're going to move on and be happy. Because Shakespeare painstakingly puts in there like, hey, both these families suck. The only good people in here are maybe the best friend to Romeo and the best friend to Juliet, and the rest of them are petty infighting. That's like their entire, their stick. And that's the thing, like Anita and Riff are played up sympathetically in both cases, 
Um, Riff is dead at the point where they're going, where they do the horrible act to Anita. They don't have a leader to kind of to, because that remember, wasn't very was cool, cool Jets. <sighs> yes, it wasn't cool. No, it wasn't cool. And, and so he basically he's indemnified from that. So he's still kind of like the well, you know, it sucks that he died, but he was the good friend character, and he he was oh, what's what's his name, Horatio? I'm yeah. trying to think of yeah. Horatio in Shakespeare's. No, 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 no. It was Mercutio. Mercutio. Yeah, wait Mercutio. Thank you. I knew it was it different. Mercutio. <laughs> yeah, some that was but, Hamlet. Horatio. Yeah, Horatio was in Hamlet. But no, so Mercutio was that kind of like you know the best friends pal around character, and that was fine. But the rest of Romeo's family is you know a bunch of chumps basically, and same with the Capulets. So I actually like the fact that it ended that similar way because it's not supposed to be like, you know, everything is going to be good going forward. It's now they have to dwell on the fact that they're infighting and that their problems together is what killed the two people that they loved. And now they can try and move forward. They can try and do things together, but it's definitely not going to be a happy ending. So I would Mm -hmm. kind of disagree with you on that point. But other than that, yeah. Regardless, it is one of the last shots of the movie. Where, where they 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 come together, and they have that like that look where oh you you're helping us thank you. Yeah, yeah I think true. it's a mutual sadness. It's not necessarily that they're going to stop fighting, but maybe there's a truce for the evening. I want to talk about anybody's mm. and like her arc through the whole thing is just like get indicted into the jets. And what sucks so hard is that she like be, like the jets respect her. And then the next scene is them roughing up Anita, and like, oh. and anybody's goes along with it. And so, yeah, like, she's in the room, right? Yeah, she and she, like, you watch her. I was specifically watching her, and she's like, yeah, yeah. And it, it does. It's not comfortable. It's very uncomfortable to watch, and like, it ruins her arc. I feel that, mm. like, oh yeah, isn't it great that? The Jets respect her enough so that they can commit this crime with her. I don't know if respect is the right. <laughs> but they like keep I her around. I feel like around. they tolerate her because she's like, yeah. oh, you told us about Chino. You can hang out, but we're not going to let you do the main mission. Yeah, You're going to you, go you hide in the shadows and get yeah. information. You get what I'm saying, right? Like, Yes. Anytime oh, yeah. she shows up before, they're like, ah, beat it. But, uh, yeah. but they do let her stick around in a doc's shop. Mm-hmm. It definitely couches it as like it's not her being like oh she finally got in it's like no she got into this gang of people and it's not the great like it's not a happy ending type thing being part of the jets means you're going to do these things just like everybody else is and it's not as rosy as she might have thought it'd be because they immediately attack Anita. yeah it's kind of like her getting jumped into the gang yep but hey how about that choreography eh, everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, who who has something on a lighter note to end on? Or should we just annihilate <laughs> this movie and end it there? Well, before I broke my leg, I used to um to annoy my roommates. I would do the the bang from cool. I would just maybe walk through the hallway and just go bang and it's like throw my leg up and do that thing. Go, Shut up. But after I broke my leg, I have trauma from standing on one leg. So Oh no. What if you kick that leg up? No. No. <laughs> Nick, we'll build a contraption of ropes and pulleys so that we'll pull your leg up and you can scream bang just for you. Oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Rita Marino is an EGOT winner, isn't she? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Doesn't she have an EGOT? Doesn't she have a Pulitzer Prize? Let me look this up. That's not a Pulitzer. It's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Oh. You're an artiste. Yes. So, I mean, it'll take me a while. likes of Mel Brooks. (laughs) It'll it'll take me a while to, like, I I don't think we need to go over each individual one, but uh, I'd say this Oscar is deserved. Oh yeah, yeah. She was really this good. Is a, it's a great performance, and at very, very least, at least like the, one of the few highlighted performances of this movie is like the one Puerto Rican in the cast. So that's yeah. like the smallest like said, she amount gets the best of song, In my opinion, uh-huh. she is. Well, she's a little insecure. Where people would be like, "Oh, Maria, you're so cute," and she's like, "What? What about me?" But she's mm-hmm. also like shown as a, like a sexually liberated, independent woman where she's like, ah, my man's coming back from a fight. I'm going to get all sexy for him. This is mm-hmm. the time. It's going down. I love this guy. I'm going to do that. And she, you know, works in the dress shop. She handles her own business. She takes care of things, you know? She has a lot of agency. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And even though a lot of it is sort of set around Bernardo, it feels like she's her own entity. Exactly. Um, which uh, is, I feel like that's mostly on the shoulders of Rita Marino because knowing a 60s script, it probably doesn't, is not written that way. Yeah. It's all about subtext. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of interesting that even though Bernardo is the head of the Sharks and is played up a lot in the plot, really, if I were to, if you give me like a while to not think about this, the character I would think of most when I thought of the Sharks, I would think of, Anita because she just has such a presence of character in the movie whereas she's not even a gangster exactly the opposite she's very against it yeah yeah but she's like the she's basically like a opposing counsel to Riff because she's the best friend character of Maria whereas Riff's best friend character of Tony and just so happens to kind of be in lead but like I don't know I just I think that her performance outshone pretty much anyone except for Maria in that entire side plot, basically. So I yeah. think it was very well-deserved. Did you guys notice in America, when there's dancing around, there's all these billboards around for, like, big there American things. There's, like, a big car. And at one thing, there's an advertisement for something. But in the corner, it says America. <laughs> <laughs> I not like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's made in America, my guy. <laughs> So, fellas, I got a question for you. Yeah. Would you recommend this movie? No. Oh. Uh, hmm. Caleb. Yes. Yes, I would. If you are a fan of musicals, if you're a fan of movie musicals in particular, uh, this movie is definitely for you. It's, it's got great choreo, a lot of great songs. It's got some good performances, uh, some very charming sets, uh, and... There's, there's a lot of uncomfy 1960s stuff going on, but it still is a, a piece of art, and it's, a, it's nice to watch, especially that first act. I can recommend <laughs> that first act pretty much universally. Yeah, I agree with Caleb. I would mm-hmm. definitely recommend it. It's fun. It's a good time. It's very bright and colorful. The choreography is really good. Uh, it's a Scrooge dated, 
with uh, yeah. some of its racial tensions and use of the word daddy-o. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, feel free to skip over the overture at the beginning. It's five minutes of nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Unless you like overtures. I don't care for overtures. Yeah, yeah definitely a recommend. Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend this. I think that anyone, like Caleb said, anyone interested in musicals, but also just um, the performances are very strong. Uh, if you don't mind, you know, glossing over some of the 60s-isms that it has, it does have some very powerful actresses. It has good singing, and the choreo is beautiful, especially in that first act and in the opening scene. It just, I had a smile on my face. That whole opening sings choreo was just great. And when we say 60-isms, we mean early 60s, not early, hippies yes. and drugs. It's, yeah. like, fifth, it's like really the, the end, end of the 50s. 50s. <laughs> yeah. There's end some of the scum of the earth stuff going on. We can say that. It's, it's, it's not a time thing. It's just a, a, a yeah. the darkest part of humanity thing. Yep. So there's some of that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend this. I think it's a classic. It's it's a chef's kiss of a musical as far as the cinematography and choreo choreography goes. I think it's I think it's good. I really enjoy it. Um, I don't like the Definitely brown award winning. Uh, quite award winning. Won all the monies. It took my money. <laughs> <laughs> no caveat on who I'd give it to though. Anyone can watch this. Yeah, definitely. Unless you're looking to get offended by something that came out in 1960, but you know. Yeah. I, I am happy you guys chose this because otherwise I probably never actually would have watched West Side Story. As much as being a theater kid, I probably should have before. I just would have chalked it up to another Romeo Juliet thing and not watched it, even though I love Shakespeare because some of the adaptations are not that good. Just to be clear, you would have rather, you would have more sooner read Romeo and Juliet than watched West Side Story. Absolutely, I would reread it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we again. Yeah, read it again. All right, that was our discussion of West Side Story from (laughs) 1961. Next week is Caleb's pick. Caleb, what are we watching next week? Okay, fellas, I think everything that we've watched so far has been like happened in the past type stuff. Are we going to the future? Yeah, we're going to the future with this one. Uh, no, this Back? this next week we're going to watch The Old Guard, which is a movie that came out on Netflix a couple of months oh, ago. A new movie, right? Yeah. Oh. So it is a Netflix original movie starring uh, Charlize Theron, or depending on how you or she pronounces it. <laughs> Excellent. I look yeah. forward to that. So we're, we're watching a dumb action flick, or maybe it's a smart action flick. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. We'll find this out and discuss. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that was our discussion this week. Everyone, please follow us on social media. Facebook, we are 4FilmFellas, F-O-U-R FilmFellas. And at Instagram, we are 4FilmFellas, the same. Please join us next week when we watch The Old Guard. Bye, everybody. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everyone.